the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy. And I'm the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. We're going to be taking a look at Revelation chapter 6. I know, I'm I'm still by myself on the program. I I haven't got things set up with Sage or Steve or anyone else. I apologize. I keep saying I'm going to do it, but I'm not going to say I'm going to do it again for next week because I just don't know. I I got so many things I'm trying to get caught up on in my on all my plate. We just finished up the men's retreat up at Copper Basin Bible Camp. Truett A. Dare from Sunset was there to speak. Uh, many of the ministers here from the Valley spoke. John Rowe, David Parks, James Walker from the Tonto Congregation, and others as well. And a lot of folks showed up. 84 men showed up on Friday night, and 87 showed up on Saturday what an awesome blessing that is to to uh, the, the the word and uh, or I mean for for the men of us that, that showed up to hear the word and it was just great. I wish it could have kept going, but we had to come home and get back to it, get back to the work, and that was a that was a good good time here in the North Valley congregation. We are we've been studying the book of Revelation on Sunday nights. We're coming. To a close on that, uh, we only have chapters 21 and 22 left. And so I've been giving some thought to what I'll be doing after I finish these studies there. And I think what I'm going to do is work through the life of David. I've done a series in the past called uh, A Man After God's Own Heart. I think I only did about six or seven lessons. But this time I want to work through the whole life of David. That's quite a bit. A whole lot. He is a the second most talked about man in the Bible, the first being Jesus. David comes in a number two. So I'm thinking about doing that. On our Sunday morning class, we've been doing Romans, and I have one chapter left, Romans chapter 16, I'll be doing on Sunday. And after that, I'm going to start working through First and Second Thessalonians. I'm looking forward to that. But you're not here to hear about that. You're here to hear about the next chapter of Revelation. Revelation chapter 6. Uh, we've already looked at uh, the other chapters. If you haven't missed one of those, please go to our website, www.nvcoc.net. Click on that radio mic. You can find chapter, the introduction and then chapters 1 through 5 on Revelation there, as well as another whole host of other lessons we've done here on the radio program. One of the more engaging ones was the one on gun control in Romans 13, 14 in the American Revolution. That was a great uh, study and lesson as well. I enjoyed doing that. Now in chapter 3 and 4, is that right? Nope. Chapters 2 and 3, that's where we had the 
seven letters to the seven churches of, uh, of Asia. I believe those are congregations where any congregation of any generation can be categorized into one of those. Chapter 4 gives us that scene in heaven. We see God uh, sitting on his throne. Chapter 5, you got that scroll, which is the book, called the book in the numeric centers, but it's a scroll written on both sides. It's the words, the mind and heart of God. It his will for man here on earth. And they're looking for one who can open it. It's the Lamb. He's the only one who has, who is worthy to open the, or break the seven seals and open the scroll. Now, chapter 6 that we're going to look at today is the breaking of the first six seals to that scroll. Now, remember, this is a vision. This is a imagery here, so it's not literal. So each seal represents uh, different things in the vision. And we're going to take a look at that now. Let's start by looking at verses 1 and 2. Well, remember the book here refers, the, the scroll refers to the purpose and plan or, or mind of God. Let me give you a few things here. So the opening or the breaking of the seals of this book indicates revealing and executing. So just because the seal, it doesn't have all the seals broken, doesn't mean nothing is being executed. It's a vision. But in the vision, it's, that's what it indicates. Each broken seal indicates a revealing and an and, and executing of God's will from that book. And so we're given this vision, a vision here of what has happened, what is happening, and what will happen in the world from the perspective of God. Not the perspective of the world. Keep that in mind. Verses 1 and 2. John writes, Then I saw when the Lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying, as with a loud, as with a voice of thunder, Come. I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him. And he went out, conquering, and to conquer. All right. So he opens the, the lamb opens the first seal. We know the lamb, that's Jesus. That represents him. You have the white horse in this first seal. Horses are associated throughout scripture with war, strength, conquest, triumph. The white is associated with what is holy and pure. Likely it's a picture of Christ. Coming forth to conquer spiritually, get you know, it's a vision, so it's okay for him to be the lamb and to be the uh, the person on the horse. That's fine, it's part of the vision. So he's on a heavenly mission. Uh, some want to say that this is the Roman military. That does not fit, not at all. It, it it's God's perspective. It's His will for man here on the earth. This has got to be the the Christ. He has a crown. It is the victory crown. He has a bow. Certainly a military weapon, but a, of long range. Swords are used for short range. The vision of the white horse seems to refer to all that Christ has done and is now doing in the church for the redemption of man. The widespread proclamation of the gospel. Verses 3 and 4. When he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come. And another red horse went out. And to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth, and that men would slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. So a red horse here. Uh, the word, uh, 
with the word peace uh, in this verse, we are seeing uh, warfare. Red is often the symbol of war and the spilling of blood. Is it a physical war? Likely it is not a war between nations, uh, but a war against Christ, a war against his followers. Uh, he's, there's that word slay. It is not the usual term John uses to refer to killing in war, but a term often used with reference to the death of Christ or the execution of believers. Sword. Uh, the word, uh, the Greek word here used is a short sword referring to the sacrificial knife. Um, uh, the vision here of the red horse seems to refer to the persecution of Christians wherever the gospel has gone. And that makes the most sense to me. Sorry, I kind of stumbled through that a little bit. Had some things happening here. But that's what's going on. This is the persecution against Christians. So the second seal is broken, and that's what we're seeing. Okay, so now let's look at the third seal, verses 5 and 6. When he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come, I looked, and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius. And do not damage the oil and the wine. Interesting, right? Black horse, that symbolizes grief and mourning. You got the pair of scales to measure out bread by weight, refers to economic hardship. A quart of wheat. And that's high those are these are high prices. Yet not not yet famine prices. It appears you can get all the wheat you want, but it's going to cost you. This seems to indicate that a certain class of people are going to be hard-pressed in a time of plenty. It says, do not harm the oil and the wine. These represent the comforts of life, possessions of the rich. They are obviously beyond the reach of people who can barely provide bread. The vision of the black horse seems to refer to the injustices done to those who follow Christ. Those who refuse to compromise what they believe. They're not bowing to the emperor's image, you know. Uh, they will be persecuted and they will suffer loss economically. Now again, this goes to what I've been saying, that Revelation uh, applies to the present day, or the present the, the day of John's people, the their persecution and the hardships but also to every generation, even for us today. Uh, some people want to raise the, the price uh, on things, or actually, maybe that's not the right way to say it. If you're a Christian, and you own a business, and you don't provide services for groups that you don't feel comfortable providing a service for because of the immorality of it, they want to make you lose that business. That's, a, that's an economic hardship. They don't think you should be allowed to do that. They think you need to do what they want you to do. And so we're being uh, marginalized, not marginalized, but put into a class where if you're a Christian and you follow these particular standards, it's going to cost you something. So we see that again happening in our generation, the black horse. The fourth seal, verses 7 and 8. When the lamb broke the fourth seal... I heard the voice of the four living creature, of the fourth living creature, saying, "Come." I looked, and behold, an ashen horse, and he who sat on it had the name 
death, and Hades was following with him. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth, to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beast of the earth. Man, ouch. So the ashen horse, that's the color. Uh, the color here is uh, um, indistinct. The Greek term is used four times in the U- New Testament. It's usually translated as green. Uh, some translators make it pale, the pale horse or an ashen horse. You maybe remember that Clint Eastwood movie, right? The on the on a pale horse. Uh, perhaps it's a sickly pale in, in color, representing disease and death. Death is the rider. He's indicated here. He helps us with the horse's color. Hades, the unseen world of the dead. So death rides through, taking lives. Hades follows, gathering them up. Over a fourth of the earth. This is a portion of those who live on the globe, not limited to Christians here, but all people affected. But note the limits, one quarter, indicating that there is an authority over death and over Hades. The word, the term for sword here is the military sword, not the sacrificial sword from earlier. This is the military sword, a symbol for earthly war. Famine, that usually follows the sword in, in war. The aftermath of war typically brings a famine. Pestilence, plagues, often follow after a famine. Wild beasts, people may become easy prey for the after the devastations of war because after a uh, devastation of war, even the beasts, wild beasts are looking for food too and they're going to start coming in, taking people. So the vision of the ashen horse seems to symbolize the suffering that is common to all men due to war. So Christians will also be involved in this kind of suffering. However, it could refer to Christ's judgment upon the pagan world for their mistreatment of people. In Old Testament times, God often brought war against the nations in judgment upon them. The fifth seal, verses five, or I'm sorry, nine, ten, and eleven. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And there was given to each of them a white robe, and they were told that they should rest for a little while longer, until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, would be completed also. All right. So, verse 9, you have those who are underneath the altar. Uh, Here souls are seen who had been slain because of their adherence to the word of God. This depicts sacrifice. As the blood of animals was poured out in sacrifice at the base of the altar and burnt offerings. That's Leviticus chapter 4, verse 7. These have offered their lives as sacrifices to the cause of Christ. They're under the, they're, they're calling for something. We're, we're going to see that here in a moment. So you get the Lord uh, is mentioned here in the Greek, meaning master or absolute Lord. Uh, they're crying out to him. They're, they're crying out. For vengeance. They're crying for justice. They are concerned about the justice of God. In the slaughtering of them, the world, those who dwell on the earth, 
They've scorned God. And they're saying, hey, how long is this going to happen? They're scorning you, God, and they continue to do this. What's going on? We're asking for justice. Remember, this is a vision. This is one of the seals. It's showing to us something here. We're going to go over the whole bit of it here in just a moment. But don't forget that this is a vision. Not literal, but these are things that are happening, not only in the days of John and those Christians there, but every generation. Don't we sometimes feel this way? Don't we sometimes feel like, hey, where's... Why isn't God bringing justice? Be patient. Or actually, let's go ahead and move on. He's going to tell them to be patient. So you got the, they're given a white robe, symbolizing holiness, righteousness, purity, and victory. Uh, they're given rest. It's a time of waiting. Their cries have been heard, but the time of final judgment has not yet come. It's going to come until the number. All of God's saved. God knows how many, and he knows when this life will be over. You know, I want to... Let me, let me finish this up, and I want to hit on that for in just a moment. But the fifth seal, the fifth seal shows that those who die for the cause are safe, having won a victory over those who oppose Christ and the gospel. They are no longer on earth and have not reached the eternal abode, but they are at rest. They're, they're in the Hadean realm, and they're waiting. And while they're waiting, they're calling for justice. And God says, oh, here, take this. Here's your, here's your rest. But wait, it's not time yet. And the time, God knows. He knows when uh, all the saved have, have died and, and all that are going to be. I believe, now it's, no matter what, the, the coming of Christ, the second coming, is going to come like a thief in the night. Only the Father knows when that time will be. And I think that time is going to be this. When the last person who's going to follow Christ wholeheartedly is baptized. You see, God knows who that is going to be. He knows when the earth is no longer going to produce Christians. And if the earth is no longer going to produce any more Christians, then guess what? What good is the earth? None. As long as men and women are coming to God in faith by being baptized into Christ, there's opportunity there. God's going to leave the earth. It's producing the way he wants. But one day he's going to come to that vine. He's going to say, hey, this, this vine hasn't been, isn't producing anymore. And it's time to cut it. Or I'm sorry, vine, the, the fig tree. It's time to cut it down and throw it into the fire. Be rid of it. It's no longer producing. I shouldn't say the vine because I don't want to miss quote what's happening there that's not a good illustration there but the fig tree that's a better one anyway i think that's what's what's going to happen and i think that's how it's going to end but that's my opinion take it with a grain of salt just chew on that think about that that's the fifth seal the sixth seal verses 12 to 17 i looked when he broke the sixth seal and there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair And the whole moon became like blood. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth, as a fig tree cast its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island were removed out of their places. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich And the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us 
and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Okay. So you got the earthquake there in verse 12. That's a sign of judgment from God. The sun's black, the moon's blood, definite references and symbols of final judgment. We see that all throughout the New Testament as well. Christians would be readily would, would readily understand these signs and not worry. But if you're not a Christian, this would freak you out, right? This would worry you. Now verses 13 to 17. Note the significance of the number 6 here. The number 6 is the number for man. Okay, That's because man was created on the sixth day. Numbers have symbolism in Revelation. And the number six is for men. And this is the sixth seal. So the sixth seal deals with man. But it is God's judgment upon the earth. So note the sevens. So you have this dealing with man, six, the sixth seal. And then the seven objects of creation. you got earthquake, sun, moon, stars, sky, the mountain, and the island. That's seven. Then you have the seven classes of men. Kings of the earth, great men, commanders, rich, strong, slaves, and freemen. That's seven. And what do they do? They hide themselves. They're trying to escape the judgment of God, but, but there is no escape. The picture of those caught red-handed, and they're without excuse. The vision of the sixth seal seems to picture the final judgment. The fifth seal pictured the Christians as safe in heaven, allowing for God to send judgment on the world, and what the world dished out against God's people ultimately returns to it. So the sixth seal seems to be referencing the idea of final judgment. But we're going to be seeing this replayed over and over again. But this is to show God's people... That there's encouragement here. You'll see that, especially as we continue to work through Revelation. It's encouraging for the Christians to see these things. God's not going to leave the, them with no justice. He's not, they're going to win. Yeah, hardship here in the world, but don't lose sight of the fact that Christ has already won. Let me give you a summary of the six seals, the revealing of God's eternal purpose here. Number one. The gospel goes forth and disciples are one. That is the first broken seal. Of course, as soon as that happens, we see this in the book of Acts at the beginning and it continues to this day. The, the second through the fourth seals is the persecution of the disciples by the world and the suffering of the Christian. This happens throughout every single generation. And, this, and it continues to happen. It happened back then. happens today. The fifth seal is the victory of those who are faithful. And the sixth seal is God brings final judgment on the earth. First century Christians who were enduring persecution would find encouragement in seeing the whole picture. What they endured now was not to be compared with what was coming. It's a lot like what happened to Joseph. You know, Joseph was uh, Jacob's favorite son. He gave him that that collar, that multicolored coat, um, and went out to go check on his brothers, as his father asked him to do. And they they took him, they beat him, they threw him in a pit, and eventually sold him as a slave. He got taken down to Egypt, sold into prison, 
uh, I sold uh, sold as a slave to Potiphar, and uh, while he was there, he got accused of, of wrongdoing that he did not do, and thrown into prison. Life looks horrible. This, this is not what he expected, but he kept on keeping on for the Lord, didn't he? He didn't give up. He he couldn't see the whole picture, but he never stopped stopped trying. And then when he finally could see the whole picture, I think that's right there at the end when when he was trying to take Benjamin back and he saw the change in his brothers, he be, he received the victory, didn't he? He became the second most powerful man in Egypt and of the world. And he saved his own family. You can see the parallels there. That's the way it is for the Christian. For the Christian. Sometimes it's hard for us to see the whole picture, but the book of Revelation is here to give us the whole picture. God wins. He's already won. We just need to stand firm. Continue to strive for the good for the good word, the gospel. Don't give up, right? Keep on keeping on for the Lord. Now next uh, next week I'll probably will be doing chapter 7 and then hopefully after that I'll get somebody on uh, the program here with me, but I don't want to leave this open. But chapter 7 doesn't get us to the seventh seal, does it? No, there's a little interlude. He's going to go go and show something about his people. This is another encouraging chapter, and then it's going to be the seventh seal, which is going to be about the seven seven trumpets, which is is great. I love the book of Revelation. I hope you're finding good encouragement with this. Please go to our website, www.nbcoc.net. Click on that radio mic. Listen to the other uh, programs on Revelation. Get caught up. Listen to the other things we have. And if uh, you want to leave comment, you can email me at Chris Macy, C-H-R-I-S, M-A-C-Y at Outlook.com. Follow us on Facebook. I have our radio program on there, Redeeming the Time. And I'll, I post these programs on there. Leave us a comment. Ask some questions. I'm more than willing to go back and answer those things. So I hope to, to find that there from you. Thank you for being here with me. And I hope the Lord blesses you in all that you do as you continue to strive for the truth and take, making the most of every opportunity. Let us always redeem the time. Bring the message out. Sending up to sweep away till shut on the better day. Bring it out. Bring it out. Bring it out. Bring it out. Till the sinful world be one for Jehovah's mighty son. Bring it out. Bring it out. Bring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.